0: SCF Student Ministries, Devin here with, um, I'm back with the third week of our series that we're doing on goals for this month of January. Uh, So two weeks ago uh, was when we started this series. Um, We talked about New Year's resolutions, um, and did you know that after two weeks, most people have already given up on their resolutions, and really by the end of January, fewer than 25% of people are still committed to their goals. And that's really because achieving our goals is such hard work. And that's what we've learned over the last couple weeks. Even when we make detailed plans and we have the best intentions with those goals, it takes strength and commitment and perseverance to follow through. Uh, I don't know what your goals right now are. We've been talking about some of these bigger ones, but we have these smaller ones sometimes. And they can be broken into categories. We can have goals that are uh, spiritual goals, physical goals, mental goals, relational goals and even these God-sized goals that we've been talking about. Uh, Whatever goals you have right now, I've got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is if you haven't already, you're going to experience opposition. Uh, You're going to experience frustration and a lack of motivation on your way to achieving your goals. The good news is that there's hope that when your goals are too much to handle on your own, that, that God's there for us. When things get difficult and you feel weak or discouraged, how do you keep pursuing your goals and finish strong? Let's see what the story of Nehemiah has to show us about that. Uh, so if you didn't listen last week or weren't here at Youth Group, um, let's see if we can uh, piece together some of this stuff that we've been talking about. Um, we're talking about the uh, story of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem um, that had been destroyed by an army. The Jewish people began slowly rebuilding Jerusalem, and although people were living in Jerusalem, Nehemiah learned the walls were falling down. Uh, Nehemiah wanted to repair the walls to honor God and protect his people, and for months Nehemiah prayed and planned and prepared. Uh, Nehemiah asked the king to let him repair the walls, and the king said yes, so Nehemiah recruited a team to help him, uh, but not everyone was excited about his idea. Uh, once he arrived in Jerusalem, Nehemiah got to work, uh, finding his team, making a plan, and rebuilding the wall. He convinced tons of people living in Jerusalem to work together and repair the city walls. Uh, even in, And we're not going to read through it because it's pretty long, but in Nehemiah chapter 3, which is where we left off, um, it details some of the people that uh, were involved in putting the, the gate back together. It starts off with saying... Um, Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work rebuilding the sheep gate uh the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanana uh there's all these people throughout the chapter that were involved within it listen by name all these groups of people um so maybe you're wondering why um all these details are included in the Bible, but here's the incredible thing I see in these details. And that there were so many people, involved. the sheer number of them is amazing. Uh, this wasn't a project Nehemiah could have done on his own. It was a true team effort. Um, so, let's start. We're going to be in chapter 4 now. Uh, chapter 4 for our actual reading um, of Nehemiah. I'm going to read the first couple verses here. Uh when Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said what are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. So let's talk about these bullies, because that's what they were. These guys called them weak. They mocked the quality of their work. They mocked their pain. They mocked their beliefs. They really just, they tried to crush their hope is, is the crux of what they were trying to do. They, they were real bullies. And even though Nehemiah and his team were being obedient to God, they still had to deal with people like this, uh, just like we do. So let's see how Nehemiah and his team handled the opposition and frustration. So if we keep going in verse 4, it says, Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height, for the people worked with all their heart. So there's so much we could talk about here, but here's what I noticed right off the bat. Nehemiah didn't get distracted. He didn't fight uh, with the bullies. He didn't add to their drama. He didn't even respond to what they were saying to him. A second, Nehemiah took it to God. He asked God to hear his prayers and make the situation right. And he wasn't afraid to be honest with God about what he was feeling at the time. And he wanted those He wanted them to be punished. Uh, He he told God that he wished that these bullies would be punished. Um, And then thirdly, Nehemiah kept going. He and his team uh, kept building. No matter what those guys had had to say, they rebuilt the wall to half of its original height, and everyone poured their hearts into it. And that's amazing. So let's keep going. Uh, This is going to be the longer section, verse 7 through 23. It says, But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers giving out and there is so much trouble that we cannot really build the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived nearer them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the men who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears. From the first light of dawn till the stars came out, and at that time, I also said to the people, "Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night, so that so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day." Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes; each had his weapon, even when he went for water. So after so much opposition, uh, the strength of Nehemiah's team was starting to give out, and these. These bullies, these enemies that they faced were relentless. Uh, But Nehemiah was committed and he was strategic. So Nehemiah, in this situation, he took it to God again. He'd been in constant communication with God since the very beginning. And this moment was no different. Uh, Second, Nehemiah prioritized rest. Uh, He knew he and his team needed rest if they were going to have the strength to keep going. So he found a way for them to work in shifts. And I think this is a huge part that gets neglected from our culture is this idea of prioritizing rest. Um our work culture in America is work, 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 work as long as you can and we measure success by the hours that we work. Um and so I think prioritizing rest is a huge boost to us accomplishing our goals. Uh third, Nehemiah chose community. Nehemiah's team committed to protecting and supporting each other for as long as their opposition lasted. And number four, Nehemiah kept going. This is again, the job was a little more difficult than it had been in the beginning, but Nehemiah never stopped. He kept moving forward, adjusting his plan, and getting creative in order to continue their work. And I wish I could tell you Nehemiah's opposition ended at that moment, but it didn't. He faced even more obstacles in chapters five and six, both from his enemies and even from his fellow Jewish people. Uh... At one point, um, Nehemiah received a series of terrifying letters and even death threats. These men did not want Nehemiah to finish this wall. But watch how he reacts in chapter 6, verse 9. My Bible will turn its page. Okay, chapter 6, verse 9. It says, They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. That's the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. He could have asked God for anything in that moment, but he simply asked for strength to finish the work that he had started. I think we've all felt these times... um, when we, when we felt we needed God's strength, or maybe even if we didn't know it, but there was times when we could have used God's strength to persevere through opposition. Um, and your opposition may have come from people, as it did in Nehemiah's case, or it may have come from yourself or even some circumstances that you're in. I think, at least for me, I think I relate most commonly to um, needing strength just to persevere from myself like I I let myself get in the way talk myself down saying I can't do it um whatever it might be we talk talk down about ourselves um so when, when we ask God for strength we we need we're giving strength to whatever is in our opposition whether it's other people us circumstances whatever it is um and we need to ask God for strength to persevere through that um So hundreds of years after Nehemiah lived, there was another man with a God-sized goal uh, to spread the good news of uh, Jesus to the whole world. His name was Paul, and he was one of the leaders of the early church. And at some point during Paul's ministry, he wrote a letter to a young man named Timothy, who he was mentoring to encourage him. So if you're following along in your Bible, go ahead and try to find... uh, Second Timothy, I'm also looking for it in mine, flipping through, probably should have bookmarked it beforehand, but that's part of this podcast now, <laughs> searching through the Bible to try to find stuff. Alright, so Second Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, just looking for this one short verse, it says, uh, for God did not give a, give us a spirit of timidity, timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. So we all know what it's like to face obstacles, and this is never more true than when we' were, than when we are chasing these God-sized goals that we're talking about. Although God never promises the, the process will be easy for us, Here's what we are promised. that we don't need to be afraid that God's spirit will be with us, And that god will give us strength and along with strength paul mentioned love and self-discipline too when god gives us god-sized goals the challenges and opposition we face can be a gift the resistance helps us it helps us to strengthen our faith muscles if you think about it as a muscle it helps us to grow in love and it helps us to develop grit just like nehemiah planned to experience opposition Uh, we should expect to face difficulties when we're pursuing God-sized goals. But here's the good news I promised. No matter what the world throws at us, God gives us strength to pursue these God-sized goals. Sometimes it seems like our challenges become the most difficult just before we cross the finish line. That was certainly true uh, for Derek Redmond. Uh, He was a runner who competed in the 1992 Olympics. Um, He was a 400 runner. Derek planned, prepared, and trained hard, but 250 meters away from the finish line, his hamstring tore. Uh, If you've seen the video, um, it's an amazing, powerful video to watch, um, his finish to that race. And At some point, we're going to face opposition that threatens to keep us from achieving our goals. Opposition can feel overwhelming, especially if you're alone. But when you're following Jesus and chasing that God-sized goal, you're never alone. God is with you. God gives you strength, and God will even carry you when you can't keep going on your own, just like that video of Derek Redmond and his dad. So what's one of your goals? Wherever you're at right now, think of one on your own. And if you're not sure uh, what you think about God or God-sized goals even right now, that's okay. What I'm gonna share with you applies to any kind of opposition that you might face or any discouragement or any difficulty. If you're not sure you've found a God-sized goal for yourself just yet, that's okay too. Your God-sized goal doesn't need to be about changing the whole world. It might be as simple and powerful as making a difference for Jesus in your school, your family, or even your circle of friends. If you think you might have a God-sized goal growing in your own heart, that's great keep listening because you're bound to face some opposition to that goal eventually so a few moments ago we, uh, we saw how Nehemiah handled opposition now what if we took those same tactics Nehemiah used and applied them to our goals do you have one of your goals in mind uh, is there something you want to do become or change but you're facing opposition maybe right now so keep your goal in mind as we think about these five things together When you need strength to pursue God-sized goals, we take it to God. Just like Nehemiah was in constant communication with God, um, but this was especially true when he was facing opposition. When you're struggling with the goals God has called you to pursue, what would it look like for you to talk to God uh, more regularly? What would you ask for, and what would you say? Second, choose community. God gives us strength and through the Holy Spirit, but God also gives us strength through community. We weren't designed to pursue God-sized goals alone. We need each other. So when you're facing opposition and losing strength, what would it look like for you to lean on your community? Are you surrounded by people that you trust? And if you're not, maybe building that community is your first step in, uh, in this God-sized goal. Third thing is rest. Nehemiah asked God for strength to keep going, but he knew he and the rest of his community needed to rest as well. We weren't designed to be hustling forever on a goal. So what would it look like for you to make rest a priority? Uh, For me, it's scheduling, like legitimately scheduling time to rest into my schedule. When you're feeling overwhelmed, weak, or tired, what helps you feel rested and renewed so that you can keep going? Is it sleep? Time with friends, time by yourself, that's true for me, time away from the internet and your devices, whatever it might be, figure that out. Uh, Number four is don't get distracted. When you're following God, not everyone will like it or support your God-sized goals. That's okay. It's not your job to please everyone else around you. All you need to worry about is pleasing God and staying close to the people who want what's best for you. So what would this look like for you? Whose voices do you need to learn to ignore? Number five is keep going. Take a deep breath in. Now slowly breathe out. If you can feel that breath, it means you're still here and you have another chance to keep going. Opposition will come. Things will get difficult. But if you know Jesus, you've got the Spirit of God inside of you already, filling you with strength and power, and love, and self-discipline. With God, you can keep going. So what's one goal you're working on right now that requires God's strength? You got it in your head? Now, do you believe, like really believe, God can help you reach that goal? If your goal honors God or was given to you by God, then yes, God can help you see it through no matter what comes. So take it from Nehemiah, Paul, and Timothy. God gives us strength to pursue God-sized goals. Thanks, everyone. Uh, I hope to see you uh, on Wednesday nights uh, if if you're not able to make it, but if you're able to make it in the future, I'm super excited to see you there. I love meeting with you guys. All right, I'll see you next week.